Well, we have spent quite a bit of time in the book of Romans. I think Pastor, Pastor Jim Milligan said it was somewhere around 75 studies in the book of Romans as we have, have studied. And we have this week and next week as we conclude the book of Romans. The, the, the book of Romans is, is a book that is it's, it's good for, it's good for Reverence Bible Church. It's good for us. The, the, this particular book has been one in which um, we, we have seen the, the depravity of man, haven't we? Um, nobody made it through Romans 1, 2, and 3 without um, understanding that we're not righteous on our own and there's nothing that we could ever do to earn his favor. I don't think any of us could go through the book of Romans without finding that, that we are totally empty-handed. No, not only are we empty-handed, but we're sinners that, that have the, the inclination of our hearts evil continually. And, and, and just in, in a place where we are in just such desperate need of the gospel. And then to, and then to go from there to hear the gospel... To go from there to, to see that we can be saved, that we here in this room can be saved. And it's not a salvation that comes as a result of our good works because we have nothing to offer. But totally and completely as a result of the grace of God. Um, the gospel. The gospel that tells us that our sins, the whole of them, are nailed to the cross and we bear them no more. What, what an awesome, awesome message that we have of hope that comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see that, that this gospel is one in which was um, ordained before God had ever even created the world. Seeing God's sovereignty over our lives and to be able to see that you are here not by chance, not by chance, you're not here because you're so smart and you figured it all out. We know that as we look at the book of Romans, we see so clearly that you are believers and I am a believer by grace and in accordance with God who is sovereign, whose Holy Spirit drew you. And even when you were running in a direction opposite of him, he drew you and he saved you and he regenerated your heart and he took eyes that were blind and made you able to see and he took hearts that were dead and made them alive. That all the glory for our salvation goes to him. To be able to see that, that not only did he save us, but he, he changes us, he molds us, he conforms us into his image. That he began a good work in us and he'll be faithful to complete it. That, that he has loved us with a love that, that is unchanging. It will never end. It cannot be improved upon. There's nothing that could ever separate us from his love. Just to know that, to be a child of God and, and, and to, to know that we have a Heavenly Father who will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. His love will never end towards us. And that love can never be improved upon. To be able to see his faithfulness to the nation of Israel and his faithfulness to his people. A God that keeps covenants. He's a covenant keeper. Even though we're covenant breakers, he's a covenant keeper. And to be able to look and see the church, the importance of the church. You can't get through the book of Romans without realizing that the church is vital. It's a gift 
We who are here, this isn't just us who just, oh, we do church here in these walls and in this building. We don't do church here. We are a church and we are the body of Christ and we've been given many members and these members each have a function and they're there to minister to one another and we're to use the gifts that God's given us and stir those up for the purpose of building one another up and this is something that is is just glorious as far as incredible blessing of a sovereign God to his people that he has made to give them a church to be together with, to pray with, to worship with, to study with, to sharpen, to exhort, to encourage. There's a reason why we're here together and there's a reason why you are here as a part of our church and, and, and it is for the purpose of his glory and the building up of the saints, isn't it? And you look at, at the book of Romans and you, you leave with an incredibly high view of God. Um, you leave with, with a heart that um, desires to show grace to one another and love towards one another, even when people think differently on certain things. And some may use their liberty in some way and some may not. And yet there's just this unity that's there and how precious we are to one another, regardless of whether we agree on everything. And then at the same time, you see in, in the book of Romans just this passion for truth, that truth matters, that doctrine matters, that the gospel matters, that getting it right matters. There's some things in which we can be incredibly gracious with, and there are other areas in which we believe as Christians in which we must stand firm and never compromise and never waver on and hold to to the very end. And it is the essence of the character of God in the gospel. So we come towards the end of this particular book. And we come to a chapter. And these first 24 verses of of Romans 16 are are maybe versions in which you, you have possibly read. You have possibly skimmed over. You have possibly looked at and said, why is that there? And I pray that this morning you'd be able to see why it's there. We have a list of over 24 names that's here. Um, I know that, that as, as a child when my parents would give me the reading assignment of, of read this and go through this book. And, um, and then they would, they would test us on whatever it was that we read and and you're reading so and so we got so and so and so and so we got so and so and so and so we got so and so. You you get to a place of just like oh, there was a lot of begotting that took place. Um, but there's a reason. There's a reason for every list that is given in scripture. There's reason for every word that is given in scripture. And so as we look at this particular section, I, I, I pray that it would be a blessing. And you look at this list and you see the heart of the Apostle Paul. You see the heart of the Apostle Paul who is more than likely in Corinth and he's writing to these who are in Rome. He's writing to a church in which he has never been to. He's writing about some people in whom he has never met. And you, you see him writing and saying, and greet so-and-so, and greet so-and-so, and greet this person, this person, my beloved, this person, who is in Christ, this person chosen, 
this person, and he just begins to go through and list people. They were a blessing to me. They were a blessing to me. And he makes a list. Then he makes a list of, and these people here at our church here in Corinth also greet you. You see that there's a list of, of beginning with 24 names, at least 24 names, because he adds households in there as well. But not just men, but women as well. You look in, in, in a time in history in which um, it wouldn't have been the best place in the world to be a woman. And you look and you just see such a difference with Christ, huh? You look at Christ and, and, and it's, it's the women in whom Christ goes to frequently. It's the women who are the first one to, to hear from Christ as, after he, he rises again from, from the dead, um, to hear the good news of the gospel that he's risen. You look and, and you see here Paul writing to these uh, and, and saying, greet this particular woman, greet this person. And, and you just see a God who, who not only um, doesn't see male and, and female uh, as, as being in a place of, of one higher than the other, but also doesn't see one as higher than the other as we look at slaves and free. And so we come to a section of list here. And I, I pray that this is a blessing to you. Let's begin in, in Romans 16, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be Bibles under the pews or chairs. Romans 16, verse 1. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Begins chapter 16. I commend to you Phoebe. What does he say about her? She's our sister. She's our sister. Um, She is the same as family to me. Here's this woman. It's Phoebe. And just so you know, she's She's our sister. She's the one that's taking this letter from the port city of Centria, right there near the the, the city of Corinth, all the way to Rome. Here's this woman. Paul's writing this letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he gives it to Phoebe. It says, take this. What would become a part of the canon of Scripture? What would become just incredible book of doctrine and teaching all of the saints? And he just says, give it to Phoebe. Have her take it there. She is, she's our sister in the Lord. What a privilege, what a blessing for that faithful woman to be delivering the word of God to the church of Rome. Goes on and he says, who, who is a servant of the church in Centria. She is a servant in the church. A servant. Um, I would think that Phoebe just took the gifts that the Lord had given her and resolved to use them to the glory of Christ to build up the saints at her church. Here she's described a servant of the church. Some say that, that, that she probably was um, a little bit wealthier, that she was able to make this trip and to travel such a long distance. But 
we find her described as a servant of the Lord. Think of the members of our church, and when I read that, there was names that just popped into my head. The people who just serve. They, they, I just think of them and just, what a servant's heart. Tasha and I talk about people sometimes and just in just in a sense of, of oh, what a servant's heart she has. Just serves. Just all kinds of different ways. Just serves. Coming here and seeing people just joyfully helping in certain areas or calling, can I help in this area? Can I do this? Can I help with the food pantry? I was blessed one day just, just coming here and I, I heard some noise that was downstairs when the doors were open and I, I came in and young lady just in the kitchen, oh, what are you doing here today? I had some time off so I just thought I'd come down here and clean the kitchen. Just thought I'd clean. And just cleaning, just cleaning everything that was in there. A servant, someone who just serves the church. You may receive her in the Lord in a manner manner worthy of the saints. Receive her. Take her in. She's coming to Rome. She's bringing this letter. Receive her in a way that that is worthy of the saints. Being in a place of looking and saying, there's a worthiness of the saints as far as like, you you were once dead in your sins, but now you have been made alive in Christ. You've been washed by the blood of Christ. All of your sins have been removed. You're an heir of Christ. You belong to him. The Holy Spirit has taken residence in in your life. Receive her in a way that is worthy of the saints. And what a blessing that is. To be able to look at that, to be able to think about that, to be able to look at one another and to be able to see each other in a way that there's a way that the saints ought to receive somebody and there's those that are saints that are worthy to be received in such a way. But to be able to think of each other differently. Here, we see that when we receive people like that, we, we do it as unto the Lord, thinking that way. You think of it in Matthew 25 and verse 35 where Jesus is speaking saying, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. That way of thinking towards others and saying, receive them in a way that is fitting for the saints, worthy of the saints. But realizing that when we do it unto the least of these, our brethren, we, we do it unto him. We're receiving him. And so it changes the way that we welcome people into our home, the way that we minister to people who are in need, the way that we visit people who are in prison, the way that we visit people who are sick, the way that we pray for people, the way that we care for people, the way that we counsel people, the way that we spend time with people. It changes the way that we think as a church when we look at this and we say, okay, so here is Paul and he's sending this, this 
woman to the church in Rome and just says, receive her in this way, a way that is just worthy, it is fitting, it is proper for the saints. Verse three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Greet them. They're there with you now in Rome. Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Here's these two people, a husband and a wife. Will you greet them for me? Priscilla and Aquila, they... Those two, that husband and wife, they, they risked their own necks for me. There was that time, and we don't know the details of it, but surely there was a time in which Paul knew that, that he was coming to a place where they were going to put him to death. And here comes husband and wife, Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila, a tent maker, coming and just saying, you're not taking him willing to give up their own lives for the sake of the apostle Paul. And, and then he goes from there and say, not only do I give thanks for them, but all of the churches of the Gentiles give thanks for these people who are in your church right now in Rome. Give thanks for them. We see that Priscilla and Aquila had been in Rome and they left to go to Corinth um, at the time where the Emperor Claudius was, was in power and, and he commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. It talks about that in Acts 18. And, and it tells us that they were tent makers by occupation, same as the Apostle Paul. You, you see them mentioned several times in Scripture. 1 Corinthians, they're mentioned in chapter 16, verse 19, where it says, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. As a husband and wife, they, they greet you heartily in the Lord and, and with the whole church that's, that's their meeting in their house. They, they have a church and they just, they just open up their home to the church. I think of Chris and Becky Dunn, the way that they opened up their home to our youth ministry for the first four or five years of our church. Um, we opened up our home every midweek study, every men's fellowship, you know. Every once a month on Saturday morning, our house would fill up with smoke, you know, as bacon was being cooked, like slabs of bacon, slabs and slabs of bacon. Every Wednesday night, so many of you there at midweek parking on the street and having my neighbors put their trash cans right up against your car, you pulling out and then so graciously putting their trash cans down on the curb for them as they were joyful to find out that we got a church building. The joy of having people in their home. And, and there, there's a whole movement of, of house churches um, in, a, in, a, in America as well where a movement of, of people saying, like, look at the example, the example. There's house churches all throughout Scripture. There's house churches. And I, I think house churches can be just incredible. They can be wonderful. But, but to come to a place of saying this is the way it should be done because there were house churches back then, I think it's taking it too far. You look at it and you just see that there, there was house churches because they had no place else to meet. They're meeting at homes because they needed a building to be able to meet in, and they're, and they're meeting in homes. And it was wonderful. 
house churches that take place all throughout Asia, especially in the underground church. But here, Priscilla and Aquila, they open up their home. Not only that, in, in Acts 18, it talks about a, a Jew named Apollos who, who was an eloquent man, mighty in scriptures, but, but he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was fervent in spirit. He taught accurately the things of the Lord, but he only knew of the baptism of John. And so here's Priscilla and Aquila. This guy's speaking boldly in the synagogue. And it says, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him, explained to him the way of God more accurately. How incredible is that? Here's husband and wife. Oh, Paul, you, you preached it. You preached it. I mean, you, you're there just, you're proclaiming the truth in just incredible ways. Such boldness, the way that you proclaim God's word. But can we talk to you about something? We need you to understand something a little bit more clearly. Because this is what it says in Scripture. I mean, just so gently, not this harsh rebuke on him, but just looking and saying, like, can we just, can we enable you to see it a little bit more clearly? And oh, we see husbands and wives, single people here at our church, going to others and saying, like, oh, this is good. What you said was so good, but you know what? Can I explain the gospel a little bit more clearly? Because it is good, but, but it's even better than that. Do you find that at times? Like you look and you think, okay, God saved me like this. And then you're able to look a little bit further and say, okay, but not only that, but he'll keep me to the very end. Not only that, but he determined it before he ever created anything. Not only that, but he's given us the church. Not only that, but this is what heaven's going to be like. Not only that, but this is how he works in us to mold us and conform us into his image. And this is our responsibility. This is what God does. And to be able to have such a view of him that we cause someone who thinks of him as great to be magnified, to see him as even far bigger than what they originally thought. And for us to do that, you don't need to be up here to do that. You could be husband and wife taking someone into your house and saying like, oh, you're right, but you know what? He's even better than that. Let me explain to him even more clearly to you. And that's what they did. In verse 5 of Romans 16, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Priscilla and Quilla, they... They're now in Rome, and, and they have a church that's meeting in their house there. And will you greet the whole church that's there in their house, those that meet there? Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Would you, would you greet Epinatus? He... He was there in that area of Asia Minor. He was there in that area that's modern-day Turkey. And when we went there and when I went there, Apostle Paul, and proclaimed the gospel, he was the first one to get saved. Greet him. Would you, would you greet Epinatus? Would, would you tell him that I said hi? And you can just picture Epinatus there in the Church of Rome and just... He remembered me. He, re- he remembered me. I was the first one that got saved. I was the first one that heard the gospel there in Turkey, and, and I got saved there. Now I'm in Rome. And I look at this, and, and he's just, you see the, the heart of the Apostle Paul. Greet him. He has got saved. I pray that the Lord would bring more and more opportunities for the gospel to go forth here at Reverence Bible Church. 
Every Sunday morning, we want to make it so it's so clear that you are saved by the work of Christ alone on the cross. He took all of our sins upon himself. He gives us his righteousness. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I I just pray that that there would be such a love for Christ and such a love for the gospel and within the hearts of us, the congregation, that there would be such a love to be to be used by the Lord to be lights, to be salt, to go and to make disciples and to proclaim the gospel in which many would be coming to know the Lord. That would be a passion of ours to bring people to church, a passion of ours to share the gospel at Starbucks, to share the gospel at work, to share the gospel with our neighbor, that people would be getting baptized here and getting saved and radically changed. I, I don't want us to be a church that grows primarily from people from other churches going, oh, heard about this church, let's go check it out. I mean, I think that's going to happen. It has happened. There's people that have come and the Lord's moved you to this particular church. But far better than, than having sheep come from different churches all the time, how much better would it be to have people hearing the gospel and being saved? Amen? That's how we want to grow. Not to mention babies being born like every week. That helps too. <laughs> But to be in a place where the gospel is going forward. Verse 6, greet Mary, who labored much for us. All we know about this woman Mary is that she labored much. She worked hard with the Christians she served with. What a testimony. Greet Mary. And greet, verse 7, Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who, were, who also were in Christ before me. These two believers were the apostles, Paul's countrymen, fellow Jews, um, even a high probability that they, they could have been family to him. Uh, they were in prison at the same time as Paul. That time in which they're there and they're, he's like, they were fellow prisoners with me. They're there, they, maybe they shared a stall. Maybe they were in a stall across the way. Maybe they're the one next to him and they just like minister to one another as they were there in prison and became so dear to him. And he's just like, greet, greet them. They, they're my countrymen. They're my fellow prisoners. In my darkest days, they were there to minister to me. They were of note among the apostles, blessing various apostles since God first saved them, which apparently had been for quite some time, seeing that they were Christians prior to the time that the apostle Paul got saved. And without a doubt, Paul would have if he had seen them, would have wanted to drag them, throw them in prison prior to Paul's salvation or to even put them to death was possible. Paul says that that was his goal, going from city to city, trying to get these people who were Christians and prior to God saving them, saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, they were in Christ before me. Greet, Amplius, verse 8. My beloved in the Lord. This was a common name for a slave during this time. Paul was, was greeting, um, even calling a, a slave his beloved. Um, so, someone in which you, you would just know, like Amplius, that's, that is a name that is used for a slave. Greet him. He's there in Rome now. He was a slave, or he still is a slave. Would you, would you make sure you greet Amplius? For me. I pray that the Lord able, enable us here to never esteem others to be higher or less based on social status. 
In Christ, there's neither slave nor free. That we would just look at each other in such a way in which it's not, well, I got more common with these people because they're poor just like me, or I got more in common with these people because they have money like me, or, or, or let's esteem this person higher because they're more successful, or, or esteem this person less because they're not. It's like, you read sections like this, and it's just, greet the slave. Would you greet him by name, Amplis? Greet him. Greet, verse 9, Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Paul mentions two more here, referring to one who is a fellow worker in Christ, and the other is, it says, beloved, hard working for the sake of the gospel. What a testimony, my fellow worker, and then my beloved. Greet, Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Apelles was, was approved in Christ. He was proven to be genuine, tested with adversity, and he came forth approved and faithful to Christ. It appears that Aristobulus was, um, was not a believer. Um, but he says, greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. I picture Paul as he writes this letter, picturing this man's household. Husband, there, unbeliever. Wife, believer. Kids, believers. Possibly slaves, believers. Slaves would be included in household. Would you greet his household? Specifically thinking of them, specifically praying for them. Okay, I know them. That's the family... I pray for them regularly. She's married to an unbeliever and she has kids that are believers and would you make sure that you greet them and the slaves too? Would you greet their house, his household? It's also thought that possibly he was somebody who, who was related to Herod the Great and maybe it is that he died and when he died, he would have had his family passed on to the emperor and they'd be owned by the, the emperor but still would be referred to as a household of Aristobulus. But Paul's there and he's just thinking of him. Greet that household. Greet Herodian, my countryman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Herodian would, would most definitely be related to Herod. Um, and he also would have had Jewish ancestry. Um, Narcissus appears to be an unbeliever but he greets those within his family who are in the Lord. What an awesome picture. Those that are in the Lord, to be found in Christ, having the very righteousness of Christ. It is thought that that he was the secretary of the emperor, a very powerful position, yet we see God working in the family. Greet Tryphena, Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord, Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord, verse 12. Paul here mentions three women. Greet them. Persis, a name that, that would give strong evidence that she was Persian. Would you greet her? She got saved. I think of in our church, we have Zari and Ellie, both of Persian descent. And think of it. They, they labored much in the Lord. Would you greet them, they labored much in the Lord. 
Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Rufus. It's interesting because you look at Mark. Mark's writing to the book, or to, to the Romans. He's writing this particular gospel. And, and Mark talks specifically about how they compelled a certain man named Simon uh, Cyrenian. This man who was to, to bear the cross of Christ and to carry it with him to Golgotha. And Mark, as he's writing this and talking about this man who took the cross when Jesus could no longer carry it and took it and put it upon his back and walked the rest of the way. The rest of the way. He says, they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Serenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why, why write who his sons are? Unless you're writing to the church of Rome and you know that Rufus is there in the church of Rome. Here's this man. Would you greet Rufus? And we see Alexander, his brother, possibly not living in that area anymore or surely he would have been greeted as well. But greet, greet Rufus. Greet the man in whom his dad was the one that carried the cross and maybe it was that there God saved him the gospel went forward to his children, to his wife, to others. Would you greet him? Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. We don't know much about them, but here... Paul's just saying, greet these guys too. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, or Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet them. We find name after name that's given here. How does he know all of these names? I think that the answer is he prayed for them. He loved them. He thought about them frequently. Most of us would probably not be able to name 24 people in a church in another city in another country. And you look at him and he's just saying, pray for them. I call upon the Lord daily for you in prayer. I pray for you daily. I think of you often. Would you greet them? He's thinking of people, and part of the reason why is because he thinks about them far more than he thinks about himself. He just cares about people. He thinks about people. He knows them by name. He knows about them. Greet them. I pray that that would become more and more a part of our lives to where we know Christians who are in other cities and we love them. I, we care about them. We've served with them. We've sent them out. Um, Keegan and Amy will be getting married August 9th there in Zimbabwe. And at some point, the Lord will, will take them from here in Mission Viejo and send them to Zimbabwe to serve there. And then you'll be able to say, Oh, greet Keegan and Amy and their household in Harari and all the saints who are there with them and some in whom we've met and some in whom we served with. 
Greet Dr. Juventine, who's there in Uganda. Greet Fossil, who serves there in Pakistan. And you start to think of people that God has placed in your life. And it's just, it goes outside of, of our circles here to be where we see the church is far bigger. Right? I, I think of some of the sweetest moments I've had is, is, is in places like Vietnam or China or Pakistan or Indonesia. And just talking with the church there and them saying, what is it like in this place? What's it like in Sudan? Tell us what it's like in Sudan. Tell us what it's like. Oh, tell the people, when you go to the church, when you go to the church in Sudan, please tell them that we're praying for them. Our church here in Vietnam prays for them all the time. We hear of their struggles. We hear of what's going on. Please tell them that we are praying for them all the time. And it's just so genuine and it's so real. And they start going through other countries that I've been to. Have you been to this place? Oh, when you go there, when you go back there, please tell them that the church here in Vietnam prays for them. We pray for them all the time. And you look at it and it, it brings us out of our little Disneyland of Orange County here to go to other places and just to, and, and to, and to care for people and to pray for them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. It's this greeting one another with a holy kiss. Be affectionate with one another. Love one another. Um, culturally, this has changed. I mean, back in this day, they would always greet one another with a kiss. And, and, and some here would frown upon that if you carried it out exactly in the same way here culturally. But I think the point of it more so is be affectionate with one another. Love one another. I've had people come to the church here and say, like, your church kind of weirded me out a little bit. And it's, well, why? People, like, hugged me, and I didn't even know them. <laughs> didn't even know them, and they hugged me. It was weird. Um, Garrett's laughing in the front row because he, like, he always gets mad at the way that I hug him when he's going out. He's like, why don't you just hug me? Like, give me, like, give me a hug. And I'm like, like, <laughs> let me just wait, you know. Like, You're not my wife. That's why. Where You know, like, you got a good hug. It was a good hug, but it's, it doesn't have to last for a minute. It can just be a hug, you know. But, so there's different ways in which different people... Show affection, but I think the point is be affectionate with one another. Love each other like that. Love each other like that. Um, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine for which you learn and avoid them. Avoid them. It goes not only, this may seem out of place to you, but he's loving the church, greeting these people, but I also want to warn you, brethren, that there are those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, avoid them. There's going to be people who creep in, avoid them. They're going to cause divisions, dissensions among you, avoid them. I, I look at solid churches and I hear from their pastors in which, oh, can you pray for us? We just had this huge church split that took place. You know, someone came in and they started pulling people towards themselves and then teaching something different, and there's this huge church split that took place. And I, I, I pray to God that we'd learn at times like this so that when somebody comes in that ever wants to cause division here and hurt the members of our church here at Reverence Bible Church, that we'd have the wherewithal and the scriptural knowledge to be able to say, like, no, you're in sin, and you're wrong, and you need to repent, and we're avoiding that. We're staying away from that. 
doctrine matters. He says, for those, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Beware of these people. They come in and they do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a time in which you're not supposed to ever say anything bad about any other religion, any other church leaders, anything like that. You're not supposed to ever do that because it's just, that's not nice, that's mean, you shouldn't do that. And yet, I have no problem with it. I have no problem saying Mormonism is not Christianity. Mormonism is far from Christianity. They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Their gospel is no gospel at all. It's not based upon God who sent his only begotten son, who was in himself deity himself. And he died on the cross and he paid the price so that we could have assurance that we're saved, not by our own works, not by what we've done, but be based on what he has done. The clarity of the gospel. I think of, of Paul when he says, um, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As I, said, as I have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you received, let him be accursed. And when, when he says, if, if I or an angel from heaven come preaching any other gospel than what you've heard, let him be accursed. And when they say, Joseph Smith says, hey, the angel Moroni came and appeared to me and he gave me special glasses and he gave me these tablets. I can't find the glasses, I can't find the tablets, but the angel Moroni came and he said this and this is the gospel and it's a, it's a new revelation that's been given and they, no one knew for a couple thousand years the true gospel, but now they know because it came here in America and this is what took place and for, so for the last couple hundred years, this is what we know now and this is the gospel. I look and just say like, it's a new gospel. You say that it came from the angel Moroni. I look at this, if, if I or an angel come bringing any other gospel, let him be accursed. This is far different than the gospel of Jesus Christ and it needs to be something that we understand and we know and we don't come back and say, okay, it doesn't matter really what you believe. You believe your thing, I'll believe my thing and we're probably all gonna go to heaven because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says so clearly that this is the truth, this is the gospel and when someone comes in and they're trying to cause deception, and when someone comes, comes in and says something different than what you've heard, let them be accursed. Avoid them. Stay away from them. We need to know that. We need to know when there's people that come and say, hey, you're sick, you have cancer, give your money and have enough faith. If you have enough faith, just, just give your, your seed money. And, and, and if you give enough and you have enough faith, you'll be healed. Give it to my ministry, and, and, and I'll have you know, $65 million come in a year to help support what I'm doing and I'll live in incredibly luxurious ways and I'll take money from you and if you're not healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith and if you die, don't do anything with the body with the person that died. Just take their, wait till my television program comes on and put the hand on the TV and if you put the hand on the TV, they'll rise again from the dead. I just look at this, think that is from the pit of hell. That is incredibly wicked to deceive people like that. It's incredibly wicked. And they come in the name of Christ and they say these things and we need to look and say, no, that's not the gospel and that's not truth that's found in scripture and you're doing something to fill your own belly. You're doing something to make a, a kingdom for yourself and you're taking advantage of people in desperate situations and it's wicked. We believe that God can heal. 
But we don't believe that you need to give your money as seed money. And, and if someone doesn't get healed, it's because you didn't give enough money or you didn't have enough faith. It's based upon a God who hears, hears our prayers. And according to his perfect will, he can heal. He's sovereign. He's bigger than all of that. And to think that way. When someone comes and says, you all should be rich. And if you're not rich, it's because you don't have enough faith. Because we have a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I'll tell you, that's not the gospel. It is not the gospel. It is contrary to what you find in Scripture, and it is a wicked doctrine that makes people who are poor feel as if they don't have enough faith or they're not in the place that they should be as Christians, and it is not true. Jesus didn't even have a place to lay his head. And for us to know, like, Paul is doing the most loving thing here by warning them. He is warning them. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And may the God of peace, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And then he goes right back to, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And grace. Timothy, my fellow worker, Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my countrymen, they greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greet you. Erasmus, the treasure of the city, greet you. Cordus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Closes here with, okay, now here's the people that are greeting you guys. They greet you. My countrymen, they greet you. Tertius, he's the one that was writing this for me. Paul had scribes that were guys that would write the letter and then he'd see at the NC with such big letters, I've signed this, I've signed it with my own hand. So he would sign it at the end so they knew that it was authentic but this guy, here he is writing it. Paul saying, hey, you, so he was a slave known as number three. Would you write a greeting? Okay, I... Tertius, who wrote this epistle, I, I greet you in the Lord. I greet you too. Um, Cordus, number four, also a slave. He greets you guys too. He greets you too. Here's these guys that, the one who's the treasure of the city, Erasmus, he, he greets you too. And you just see this love that is there. One church going to another church, we all greet you. The ones that treasure, also the slaves, the one that wrote this, all of us. Hey, we, we greet you guys there in Rome. There is a love, a genuine love for one another. What are some of the names of people that you would write down as far as those that have had the biggest impact on your life? Those that have ministered to you, those that have cared for you, those that have labored with you, those that love you those that have built you out. Who would you write? Not only that, but may we live in such a way that if someone were to write the letter, 
that they might include our names there as well. We serve with them. We love them. We serve the church. We care for the church. We're there. We'll risk our necks for you. Incredible when you look at the heart of the church, the heart of Paul, his love for the people, and their love for one another. May that be continued here at Reverence Bible Church. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for these words here in the book of Romans. Thank you for these saints that you had recorded, both slave and free, men, women, wealthy, those that weren't wealthy. Um, We thank for households that you saved and sometimes where you saved those within the household even when the father didn't believe. I pray that we would pray for one another and greet one another and love one another and care for one another like we see here in the book of Romans. And may the fruit of it be a church that's healthy, that's healthy, that glorifies you, that cares for one another, that builds each other up. And may the praise that comes forth from our heart be be passionate and filled with joy as we sing praises to our Savior. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.